Okay, morning everybody. Everyone okay? Yeah? This is the last one of these summer series that we've been looking at. We've been looking at the wisdom literature. Um, depending on who you ask, that's stuff Solomon wrote. It is kind of Proverbs and Psalms and bits of other books, Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs, and it's sort of the big chunk of the Bible. But actually, um, to simplify it, I think it's probably all of the Bible. Um, so I will be talking on all of the Bible. T- I won't, don't worry. Um, yeah. So I've been asked to look at one of the Psalms, um, and I've sort of done that. And I had a good idea of what I was going to say until we got into our prayer time this morning before church. Um, And as we were praying and just listening to God, um, I was reminded of a couple of bits and pieces that popped into my head over the last week. And so um, I'm really sorry if this doesn't seem like it's all going to fit together. At the end, it will. Um, But I'm just pulling in a couple of extra things that that I think are relevant to what God wants to say today. Um, Last weekend, I had the complete privilege of going to an event called David's Tent. Has anyone heard of it? Yeah? And for those who don't know, David's Tent is an event. It runs down in West Sussex in a big field, and it's a big tent, um, belongs to a guy called Dave, maybe, I don't know. Um, and the, the event is 72 hours of non-stop worship. It has worship leaders from across the world who travel to do an hour of worship as part of this 72-hour event. Um, whilst I was there, I was there for just over 12 hours um, I drove about five hours down and five hours back to get to be there for the day. There were one or two others from the church who were there, um, and I got to just go and join in for a little bit. It was exhausting. <laughs> it was amazing, but I also ached so much. I've never ached so much from just standing up and kneeling down. Um, it was It was brilliant, and it was challenging, and I came away saying to God, oh, is that what worship is? (laughs) Um, Feeling feeling a bit like I I wanted to have this really big, amazing experience, you know, on my face, on the floor, and the word of God comes to me in an audible voice, and, and actually... I watched some of the most incredible worship leaders, some of the most inspirational people who I have listened to their albums and listened to them speak online and wondered what it would be like to be in the room with them. And I've had this experience and gone, oh gosh, it's, it's really simple. I arrived at nine and the guy leading worship at nine had been there since about... 8 a.m., but there were people who had been in that tent the entire night, um, and the guy leading the worship at nine was singing, we just want to seek your face, Jesus, we just want to seek your face. And I was like, oh, that sounds good, I can go with that. Um, When I left at 11, 
11 o'clock, something like that. The guy singing at the end, and it wasn't the same guy, there'd been quite a few in between, <laughs> don't worry. And the guy singing at the end was singing, we just want to seek your face, Jesus, we just want to seek your face. And I was like, oh, oh. Now, don't get me wrong, it was really good. It was a great event, the music was awesome, the worship was unlike anything else I've been in, and I would go back, in fact, we may well go back next year, but it left me thinking, did I miss something? Did I, did I overcomplicate the idea of worship? Um, and as I have started to get into thinking about Psalms, the other thing that I did on my four-hour journey down or five-hour journey down and the same back again is I listened to a podcast. Um, in fact, I listened to about eight podcasts all back-to-back because what else is there to do in a car on your own except for count other cars? Um, and the, I've been listening to the Bible Project podcasts. You know the videos that we sometimes use and watch? The, the guys who make those have also made some podcasts and they use the podcast to kind of talk in a bit more detail about the things that are eventually are going to go into a video. So I listened to about eight hours' worth of material that eventually all got boiled down into a two-minute video. Um, so they were talking about wisdom, about the wisdom literature. And I thought, oh, this would be good. So I've got eight hours' worth of content for you. Um, I'm going to boil it all down. Um, I don't know that I can, actually, but... In listening to eight hours, I realized the thing they said right at the beginning was the thing they said right at the end. And it was dead simple. And and it's just got me thinking, do you know what? It's not very complicated. God and the Bible and Jesus and following him and living a life that, that is full of wisdom and worship, it's not very complicated. I think maybe we like to make things complicated. It makes us feel a bit smug and clever that we've, that we've understood the complicated thing. And I'm not trying to say that God himself is not completely awesome and that there is not an entire eternity of understanding him that we get to experience. I'm not saying that. That is true. But I think that he himself and the journey that we live with him, I think that is very simple. That's that's the conclusion I've come to. The idea of wisdom comes from the very first part of the, the Bible story, as it were. There's humanity in a garden and they're walking with God and they're learning from God and they have a choice. They can grow in wisdom, walking with God, learning with God, close to God, in an intimate relation with him, relationship with him, or they can, have, they can get a quick fix. There's a tree that you eat that fruit and you get it all in one go. Quick fix, And you don't have to do all of the walking and talking and listening and time with God. And we know the story. Humanity goes for the quick fix. Because it's tempting. 
and they think that it's going to make them get it quickly and understand God and understand life. And the story goes on that actually it was the quick fix, but it wasn't God's way. And there are consequences. You can read all of the rest of the Bible to read about what those consequences are. But as you read your way through the story of the entire Bible, time and time again, you see different characters having that choice between learning from God, listening from God, receiving from God, or the quick fix. And as we read our way through the adventure of the Bible, we watch what happens when different characters choose each of those paths. And usually it's not one choice at one time. Usually in their lives they have many times when they get to make that choice. And sometimes they make great choices and sometimes they don't make great choices. Wisdom really, I think, is just that question, how do I make good decisions? Do I make good decisions by listening to God? Or do I make good decisions by taking the quick fix, doing what is wise in my eyes? Proverbs, which is all about wisdom, opens by saying, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's this thing. It's the fear of the Lord. I mean, there's probably an entire series on what that means. But in very simple terms, I think it is listening to God. It's listening to what God says and doing what he says. Um, So do I listen to what God says? That is the beginning of wisdom, according to Proverbs. Or do I go for the quick fix? Um, It's a lifelong journey. It's making the choice to say yes to God. Time and time and time again. And whilst I was away over the weekend, I listened to a guy called Jeremy Riddle, um, who was sharing about the heart of worship, and he said, the heart of worship is just saying yes to God. It's just saying yes to God every single time. Um, he talked a little bit about sacrifice, and the story that has just come back to me time and time again this week is the story of the woman who, um, Jesus is at a Pharisee's house, and there's, there's a woman who kind of turns up they don't, they don't know her well, but they know she's, she's, not, she's not a good influence. They know that. Um, and she turns up with this jar, this incredibly expensive jar of perfume that would have been worth, I think they say it's worth a year's wages. It is worth, you know, just an incredible amount of money. But what she does is she takes it and she breaks the jar And she kneels and she pours that perfume on Jesus' feet. And she weeps. She's crying and her tears wash his feet. And then she uses her hair to wipe his feet clean. And that image, that sacrifice of taking something so costly and so beautiful and giving it to Jesus... I think that is something to do with this saying yes. It's giving everything, absolutely everything, in sacrifice. Um, This is all linking up to Psalms eventually, I promise. Uh, In Luke, Jesus describes what she does as a great act of love. Um, We can call that worship. Now... 
David, who wrote not all of the Psalms, but many of the Psalms, was described as a man after God's own heart. Um, he's one of these characters in the Bible that if you read his story, you can see time and time again where he gets the choice between listening to God's voice or listening to his own wisdom or the kind of the quick fix, the what seems like it makes sense kind of decision. So a really obvious one, the story we all love about David with Goliath, the giant. He stood there. He's 12 years old. He's a scrawny little kid. And... He's the only one, he's the only one out of the entire Israelite army, he's not even in the army, he didn't make it yet, he's the only one, he's had no military training, he's got no military experience, his only experience is looking after sheep, but he is the only one who is listening to the voice of God, and the only one who knows that the battle is the Lord's. Everybody else is saying, oh, there must be some other tactical maneuver we could do here. Um, He's the only one hearing God's voice. And he's the one that goes in with his sling and his stone and knocks out the giant and chops off his head. And it's a good story. As we follow David's journey, and you can read it through Samuel and Kings, time and time again, David has these opportunities where he can choose the path of wisdom following God's voice or the path of wisdom, the world's wisdom that might seem more attractive but eventually leads to much more negative circumstances or consequences. Um, Sometimes David makes a good decision. Sometimes he makes the right decision. Other times, we know David makes the wrong decision and he there are consequences. There are always consequences to that. Um, there are consequences to making the right decision, incidentally. Um, the Bible tells us that it's precious, more precious than gold and rubies. Um, it's a long life full of favor. That sounds pretty good to me. Um, let's look at a psalm, as we're meant to. Psalm 40. If you've got a Bible, feel free to turn. Um, I, in preparation for this, I've just read my way through Psalms. It's been really fun, actually. And Psalm 40 is one that I really like. And to understand it, I've kind of broken it down a little bit into some different sections. The first bit is just this beautiful song of praise to God, about God about who he is. It says, He lifted me from the slimy pit out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. And, I mean, who has that experience of God? Who's lived that before now? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, He put a, a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. That's like, that's the worship leader. We like that one. The worship leaders hold on to that one. Every time things are feeling a little bit jaded and we've done the same song 20 times, we're like, oh, he put a new song in my mouth. Let's go and find one. Listen to another album. And then 
David goes on in verse 5. He says, many are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned. None can compare with you. He, go, he says, if I were to speak and tell of all of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. I mean, he tried. There's 150 Psalms. But he's just praising God, saying, you are wonderful. You're amazing. Look what you've done for me. Look what you've done for other people. And then in verses 6 and 7, we get this response to that. Um, I read this in about 10 different versions, and um, my favorite is actually from the, uh, the Passion version, which I'm going to read it to you because I think it, he just puts this so beautifully. He says, It's not sacrifices that really move your heart. Burnt offerings, sin offerings, that's not what brings you joy. But when you open my ears and speak deeply to me, I become your servant, your prisoner of love for life. So, I said, here I am. I'm coming to you as a sacrifice. I love that. A prisoner of love for life. David understands that what he is bringing to God in his praise is a sacrifice. It's that same image as the woman and the perfume at Jesus' feet. And he says, this is what brings you joy. This is what fills the Father's heart with delight. This is, this is it. David gets it. And actually, I just started reading my way through some other Psalms. You don't need to turn here, but Psalm 27 is that um, one thing I ask of the Lord, this I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And then it goes on later to say, my heart says, seek his face. I will seek your face, O God. Um, Psalm 84, my soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for you. David gets this. His entire body and soul are given up in worship to God. That is what means that he can make these decisions to follow what God says. He's listening. He's hearing the voice of God, and he's choosing to hear that and say yes over what seems wise in his eyes or wise in the world's eyes. It's the fear of the Lord, okay? It's, it's worship. It's being on our knees, seeking his face. I had an entire 12 hours of worship that started with seeking his face, ended with seeking his face. I, I mean, what a dummy that I didn't get it at the beginning. I had a whole 12 hours of going, well, God, what are you going to do? And he's like... No, we just seek my face. David got it, thankfully, um, because, yeah. Um, this is it. Seek my face. My heart says, seek his face. I will seek your face, oh God. I love it. We, we get a choice, don't we? Just like David and any of these other characters that we can read about and explore through the Bible story, if we're seeking wisdom, if we're seeking true wisdom, that 
journey of walking with God, of choosing to say yes to God day after day after day after day, regardless of circumstances, if we're choosing to sacrifice and lay it down, our heart and our flesh, our soul, to seek his face, we make a choice. We make a choice every day. Um, We make a choice whose voice we're going to listen to. Um, I, I found the 12 hours I was in a tent worshipping really challenging because the thought that kept on going round, my, round and round in my head over and over was this little voice just saying, what do you look like? I'm serious. You know, I'm in this tent full of thousands of people worshipping Jesus and the thought going round my head, what do you look like? I was hot and sweaty and grimy and waving my arms and dancing about and kneeling on the floor and unable to completely give it, out, give it over to God because there's that little thought in my head, what do you look like? And I had to push that entirely out of my mind. But as I just took some time to think and to listen, and as I was reflecting on this, God reminded me again that we, we get a choice of which voice we're going to listen to. And sometimes the voices that are shouting loudly, screaming down, and sometimes they're those tiny little, tiny little needles, are fear and shame. Those are the two things that God just sort of dropped, dropped into, my, into my head. Sometimes we're scared, and sometimes we're ashamed. But do either of those have any space in the presence of God? No, you can be louder about that. Do either of those have any space in the presence of God? No. When I'm seeking God's face, I don't need to be afraid, and I don't need to be ashamed. What do I look like? Who cares? Nobody. God doesn't. God thinks I look amazing. He doesn't care if I smell. And do I deserve to be here? Yes, I deserve to be here. Should I be standing? Yes, I should be standing here. Those voices have no space, no room in the presence of God. But they're real. We can't just not address them. But we address them. Actually, we did it today. We address them with the blood of Jesus, don't we? We address them with the blood of Jesus. Perfect love casts out all fear. We know that. And in the presence of God, we find perfect love. That means fear and shame can take a hike. But it's us agreeing with that that is what does the work. It's me choosing to hear the voice of God. It's me choosing to seek his face. Um, Should we pray? Should we pray to finish? Would you stand with me? God, help us to be a people who chase after your wisdom. Help us to be men and women after your heart. Lord, we want to be people who seek your face. We want to better understand the simplicity of that truth. And God, we want to hear your voice. Once again, we just proclaim the power of the blood of Jesus over all fear and all shame. God, that those voices would be silenced as we hear your voice and as we say yes 
to you day after day after day that we would look to be in your presence saying yes to you that we would seek your face and that we would know your ways holy spirit we just welcome you and invite you to fill our hearts right now that you would seal the work that you've done we praise you and we thank you this morning amen